Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. It's me, Matt. Hi, it's me, Chris. And so uh, we're joined again by a, a great guest, uh, Jane Crowther. Welcome to the podcast, Jane. Hello. Thank um, you for, for the, having me. For the listeners out there um, who may not be familiar with you or what you do, tell us a bit about yourself. I'm the editor of Total Film, which is a monthly movie magazine in the UK. Um, and uh, we write about films every month. It's, uh, it's a good job, I have to say. How's things been going? I mean, I mean, there's not a lot to write about, is there? Um, every, well, basically with Total Film, it seems like we are cursing movies because every time we put a film on our cover, it gets pulled to next year. So it could be me that's doing this. Um, yeah, we've just had a run of uh, Bond and Black Widow and Tenet and Wonder Woman and Free Guy, none of which you can actually see anytime soon. But um, we're still managing to get by on, on the stuff that's actually going to VOD, which is there's loads of good stuff out there. So, you know, I don't think we're suffering too much as film fans. There seems to be a little bit more of a news or updates now in terms of how things are slowly getting back to normal too, I think. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, cinemas are open. I've yet to be in one, um, but uh, I hope to be in one soon. Was it something you're gonna you're rushing back to or itching to get back to? Or are you happy with kind of what's happening? So, as you say, on video on demand. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sort of a bit institutionalized now. I'm kind of used to it, as we all are. We've got used to the new normal, haven't we? Mm. Um, but I still crave the idea of seeing a film with an audience and that community experience and watching a scary movie with a load of people and we're all scared together or watching a comedy and laughing together. I think you massively miss that when you're watching it on a laptop or you're you know, watching it on your Netflix, on your TV. So, yeah. yeah, I am looking forward to that. Just hoping to do it safely. I've seen yeah. a couple of uh, drive, um, drive-ins, drive-throughs have sort of yeah. sprung up recently, which is, I think, a, a very good idea. But they well, seem to be like older good. films. Yeah, when the weather's good. Yeah. yeah. With that massive caveat, it would be quite difficult to watch a film through that driving rain. Yeah. Through the rain we had last week, imagine. That could be yeah. interesting. <laughs> I mean, Unless you're watching, you know, uh, Seven, it would be fine. Yeah. Or the Titanic. Or, at least, or, or the first yeah. part of uh, Jurassic Park with all that rain. I mean, that's exactly. Yeah. It would just be atmospheric. Mm, atmospheric. Nice. Um, but anyway, it was a good job where we got all these old classics to catch up on or, or watch or rewatch, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, uh, well, this is what this podcast is all about. Um, but you've picked a, 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 an absolute cracker um, from 1995. What was the movie you've chosen, Jane? It's Waterworld. The future. The polar ice caps have melted. And the earth lies beneath a watery grave. Those who survived have adapted to a new world. What did you see out there in the 15 lunars? Such as? An end? An end to all this water? You're asking the wrong person. Pure dirt. So what's the word? We trading or not? And the human dream is the search for a mystical place called dry land. It doesn't exist! How can you be sure? Because I sailed farther than most have dreamed. I've never seen it. This place, this whole way of living, it's ending. Straight line leading directly. Directly to dry land? 
Dry land is not just our destination, but it is our destiny! Universal Pictures presents a world unlike any you have ever seen. Dennis Hopper, Gene Triplehorn. Waterworld. Speaking of water and, and deluges, Waterworld, where everyone is wet all the time, never knowingly dry. It's a great <laughs> film. Yeah, this is the plot synopsis for Waterworld. Uh, in the future where the polar ice caps have melted and Earth is almost entirely submerged, a mutated marina fights out starvation and outlaw smokers and reluctantly helps a woman and a young girl try to find dry land. And reluctantly is the optimum word there because he is a bit of a... a well, he's not very approachable, is he? <laughs> he's, he's a big old grouch, isn't he? He's a fish grouch. He's a... <laughs> man with gills and he's not interested in helping anyone he's just interested in tomato plants and like moon boots that he can wear um yeah this he's not a very sympathetic character but he is played by kevin costner and i think that star wattage goes a long way to sort of liking him and wanting him yeah to sort of develop some empathy certainly in 1995 he was definitely a, an absolute catch pardon mm-hmm. the pun oh yeah in, ter- in terms of uh, box office draw but this, this movie, on Rotten Tomato score, which is kind of what we kind of gauge our mm-hmm. film to choose, is 46%, which is a, a complete splatter. It fares mm. a bit better on IMDb, but it was not well received critically, was it? No, and, you know, I think the knives were out for it a little bit because it was one of those ones like Titanic that sort of went massively over budget and had all sorts of disasters happen. Um, the set was built in Hawaii and got, like, washed away by a hurricane and... You know, Kevin Costner doesn't appear to be that great at working with directors. He's He directed Dance with Wolves and then he'd gone on to sort of do Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with the director here, Kevin Reynolds, and sort of clashed over artistic vision. So people were calling it Fishtar before it even <laughs> came out. Um, but, you know, I just, I I saw it when it came out and I was just like pleasantly surprised because I just thought this is just a huge daft romp and it's really going for that vision of this ridiculous sort of world and frankly um you know like when you watch something like fury road it's not too dissimilar fury road has done a good deal better but you know i do think that there's sort of seeds of that in Waterworld. i know that's big talk but i do think so yeah definitely i mean it's all kind of conjures up all sorts of other movies that have been and gone since then um does it conjure yeah, up lots of other movies or is it just mad max films well, Mad Max, I was thinking about Escape from LA and Escape from New York mm. and that, that sort of vibe, especially uh, even something like Tank Girl, just the yeah. sort of themes running through it and just the danger and peril, especially with, to young children and grown adults. That was something that always seems to be happening in the 90s movies. Yeah. Um, but it, it, 
Do you want to go through the cast, Matthew? Just to point out who was in this movie other than Kevin Costner. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously the other big name is Dennis Hopper, who plays mm. Deacon, the bad guy, and um, goes he goes full bad guy, right? He, 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 <laughs> he fully surrenders himself to the role. Um, you got uh, Jane Chipplehorn, who plays uh, Helen, who's kind of the surrogate mother of the sort of um, wonder child, Lost Hope, who's played by uh, Tina... Uh, Major Reno, who was bugging me for ages because she's got a really familiar face as a child. So I had to Google her halfway through the film to realise that she's um, Napoleon Dynamite's girlfriend. Yeah. Yes. So I was like, ah, <laughs> finally, that's where it is. Um, we got also Nord, which was my favourite character in the film, played by Gerard Murphy, who's the only ginger man left on the planet. <laughs> and what a vibrant head of hair he has. <laughs> no, it's just, how does he, like, everyone's filthy, like, to their core, I mean, dirty. yeah. And he's managed to get hold of conditioner or something. I don't know. It's it's beautiful. It's like it's seeing rain. Yeah. He's like a lion. He's a lion man. <laughs> he's definitely a cow out of water. But I, I think for me, you know, Kevin Costa at this time, as you say, with the bodyguard and the postman and what was the other one? The other big one. Just Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves oh, and Dances with yes. Wolves. Yes, of course. Field of Dreams and Bull Durham. I mean, he was huge yeah. um, in the late 80s, early 90s. So, But was this the film this that people just wanted to pull him star. down? Yeah, he might have got a bit too big for his boots, perhaps. With yeah. A tall poppy syndrome struck. I don't know. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it is a ridiculous premise. When you read it out there at the beginning, it, it <laughs> sounds mental, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> You know, he's he's he. I mean, and how you sold this to Kevin Costner, I don't really know. As well as like, Kev, you're the biggest star in the world right now. Do you want to play a man with gills that sort of boats around and is horrible to everybody? It, it's sort of weird that he took it, but he did. This is another one of those movies, and we've had a real run of them in the podcast recently where. I haven't seen it until yesterday. Yeah, so it seems like every film... Well, I mean, I haven't seen it in its entirety. I have a very... I've got a kind of thing where I kind of watch these movies in bits and pieces and never really get to the end. And this is one of those ones since the very beginning where, for whatever reason, I never completed uh, until uh, until this afternoon when I finished the last half of it because it is quite long. Yeah. Um, But I remember it being very different with the first half that I saw, at least. But it does... It, it it doesn't really strike me as a as a very a film that he would want to do, as you said, because there's very little character development. There's not a great deal of plot or storyline. In fact, it is just like a I don't know a, a Duran Duran Wild Boys video. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it, it's just it's just a very limited space for anything to happen apart from in this massive concoction that they've built on the sea yeah and you know he's he's it's not his best look either you know he's a sex <laughs> symbol and here he is with like a mullet and a jaunty shell earring wearing fish <laughs> skin suits and sort of I, I don't i don't understand the look at all um yeah. i have to say though it kind of still works for me but you know <laughs> like what 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 was i don't really understand why anyone greenlighted this really it's a bit weird but um that's sort of what i love about it there's some inconsistencies with all, with things as well in terms of the lime tree. Now, these are the notes I've written down. <laughs> That's not how lime trees work. And this this this, this is a, a well, a tiny lime tree. It's got it's, it's got like a bonsai lime tree, right? <laughs> <laughs> with full it's, the same with, it. it's the same with the tomatoes. Now, I've I grow tomatoes. I tried to grow tomatoes, and they're incredibly hard to grow. Right. <laughs> so this guy can do it. 
you know, out of a tiny pot, and then that's not that's ridiculous. There's a there's a lot of emphasis emphasis on dirt, quite rightly, obviously, because that's the main theme of the program of the film, sorry, which is dirt on people and then trying to find the dirt. Um, and then just just weird exploding jet skis that wouldn't just normally not happen. It just seems to be a lot of action for action's sake. And even the first bit first scene of the film we get this kind of information dump in terms of where we are and instead of it presenting oh, well, i like the opening i like the way the universal logo yeah that's turned cool. and you know we started seeing it flood up and go Ooh, we're used to but seeing why? the planet but now it's all and it's been a long time since you've had voiceover man gravelly voiceover yeah. <laughs> man do an intro come on that's great yeah. That intro, that bit is fine, but why then? Why introduce your your main character then, having a wee into mm. a into a pot and then changing it's, it into normal? There was a desperation. Weird. I mean, I I knew within sort of ten minutes of this world building that they'd done, is I would have died a long time ago because it all just looked like such a massive ball ache. That I, I mean, I don't like going to the beach for more than a couple of hours, let alone living on water constantly I, I would have yeah i would have been one of the first victims i'd have i'd have been well and truly out of there by now but this this film budget wise was the one of the main biggest stories of this movie was it, it spiraled and spiraled and spiraled out of control um and yet um has a very a lot of love for this film based on that it's got a very niche not a niche audience but a um, a devout audience really hasn't it jane you're one of them yeah i mean i think it was at the time one of the most expensive films ever made. Um, I think it, it was the to, most expensive film yeah, at the time. Um, and, you know, when it spiralled out of control, as you say. Um, and I think even like that they were warned just not to go ahead with it because it seemed so dicey to do this whole set on open water, but they did anyway, and then it all got destroyed. But I don't know, it's, it's that sort of, it shouldn't work, the film really. And yet on some weird level it does and I do think that's just because of you know like you mentioned Dennis Hopper and his great he's just he knows what film he's in he's like this is ridiculous I understand the tone of this and I am going there and then some and Costner is just like you know yeah I'm, I'm gonna do all this like jumping and diving and grimacing and and they're just I think people admire the spirit of it that they just went and did this and it's it is ridiculous but they're sort of committed to it and and there's something really sort of admirable and enjoyable about watching that mm, definitely but, i think you can but, see every penny on the screen as well yeah right? there's there's yeah. nothing left in the bank at all with this one is this you know it really goes with a premise and sells it i mean i know obviously doing an apocalyptic world where everything's kind of jakey and crap is probably easier than doing a sleek style futuristic mm-hmm. world because you can just go around your local tip and then throw it all into the you know, onto the beach and um, bob's your uncle but it, it really is you know there isn't any kind of like flaws no bit of it you do look kind of ropey all physical effects all the stunt work and stuff i mean a lot of the stunts are highly contrived like i mean when they uh perform the uh when the uh, smokers perform the attack on the atoll and they have like these ramps these yeah. boat ramps and you're like oh i don't know <laughs> and then know, he sat on a jet tank. skis underwater as well that was cool yeah, yeah yeah and if you could do that why didn't they just do that straight away i mean that seems like a really obvious it's like oh do you remember these things can go underwater it's like oh yeah probably didn't even need to bring the ramps really when we think about it we could have all just bobbed underneath it's better than the for me it was better than the, the battle at helm's deep it had yeah, <laughs> yeah wow. well, you don't get like water skiers behind an airplane at the battle of helm's deep do you? 
it, it was bugging me for a long time uh, how that aeroplane was taking off and landing if there was no land until I realised there was a massive aircraft carrier involved. Um, but those little little um, characters. Oh, no, hold on, that, don't gloss over that. You, you're not aware of seaplanes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it a seaplane? It was a seaplane. <laughs> oh, right. okay, right. Then I stand corrected. Apologies. Then I have basically. <laughs> Not done very well there with that uh, spot, but yeah, okay. So fair enough. It, I, it, that's a little oversight on my heart, on my behalf. But the little <laughs> characters, especially the gun guy, who's uh, looks, looked like a little pig, <laughs> well, obviously intentionally made him look like a an odd guy, you know, firing at the eight, uh, the eight ball as he's saying. And hello, future Matt here. You might be wondering why Chris is referring to eight balls. This will become clear later in the podcast. And destroying it, and that whole thing where they're trying to communicate to him to get him to stop, and that's how Dennis Hopper loses his eye, and all the little comic comic beats in it as well. With those characters, were really crazy. That was good. When he, when he and... was going, because they were shouting, shouting Chuck, and he was like, maybe he doesn't like being called Chuck. Maybe yeah, he call him Charles. Charles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's having a lot of fun. But, I mean, that's that whole scene. You know, goes on quite a while, and it's pretty awesome as an action sequence. It still stands up today, and yeah. I mean, so much so that Universal Studio, for years, I can remember seeing when I went to Universal Studios, they had a show called Waterworld where they had jet skis and people like rappelling in and and sort of things blowing up. So you know, like they were justly proud of this sequence, and I I do think it still is a pretty good action sequence. Whilst watching it, I was thinking this is some some sort of. Uh... Legoland pirate show thing that they have. <laughs> and I was reminded of that all the time is this Disneyland sort of yeah ex- exhibition thing piece that they do. I was just looking someone... for the cast. I didn't realise oh. um, Jack Black was the pilot of the mm-hmm. plane. Yes, yeah, yes, young yeah. Jack Black. I didn't spot yeah. him. It was covered. it was very dirty. It was very dirty. <laughs> Everyone was very dirty apart from um, as we mentioned Nord. Can someone explain to me the the plot in? with the girl and the map the map girl thing because I, I i tried to keep up with it obviously it's not it wasn't that difficult i guess in some places because there's not a lot of plot going on but <laughs> the where did she come from and how was that did i miss that whole plot point um she was found in a basket full of dirt by helen and yeah. um with this tattoo um and um obviously her parents are now deceased on mount everest which is dry land and that map is the route back to them i i assume her pa- i don't think anyone ever explains it but i just assumed that her parents wanted her to go out in the world and find someone to care for her and that person to bring her back to dry land which is the best place to live on earth at this point yeah um but i may be reading far too much into it because this script is not sophisticated really <laughs> but i was thinking of like the thought process of the parents they're like right you know we want the best for our kid what do we do well let's tattoo the baby <laughs> let's tattoo the baby throw her in a bucket and chuck her in the water <laughs> it's, it's the way of the that's world. great survival yeah <laughs> uh, it's like, well, oh, we've all I, thought I about know. doing it <laughs> i mean yeah, but why I not just a note you know and why why are you so fucking cryptic Come on, just yeah. like you know, yeah. you're gonna put a map on a baby. I mean, I know babies aren't particularly large, but you know, <laughs> put a bit more detail in there, please. And it's also this idea that no one, nobody who say all these people are sailing about all over because it's all water. Nobody has seen this place, and nobody knows where it is. I mean, 
the world isn't that big if there's all these people sailing all the time surely somebody would have found it and would know yeah. and they'd be like hey everyone come off your dirty atoll you can have a bath <laughs> over here have a bit of green salad we got why, horses why would that not be happening horses yeah. for days yeah um you know and things like you know the smokers always smoking smoke um, smoking cigarettes where have they come from i mean this is now what it, we're in 2500 or something now yeah yeah, yeah. How have they been smoking cigarettes for this long if nobody's ever found any sort of things from the past world and yeah. people don't realize it existed? They're not rolling them, are they? Do they have like a <laughs> Benson and Hedges factory there? They, they look far too good know. to be rolled. It's just um, very, yeah, it was just a, there's lots of sort of total inconsistencies. But then, uh, yeah. Celebrity. I mean, yeah. Do we, do we want to pick holes in something that has a man with gills and webbed feet? Maybe. So with regards to uh, Fishman, is it, is it something yeah. that is, um, does he evolve, has he evolved or as, and, or as was he a mutant man from the very beginning? Well, no one says they call him a mutant, don't they? So there's no knowing whether his mother had sex with a fish or whether he's actually mutated because he's so seafaring. The man, yeah. I don't know. But his gills are quite grim to look at. A Wednesday night question that you never yeah. thought you'd be asked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. The, the sort of Michael Jetta, the old Gregor character, he, when because he, he's very interesting, he's, he's clearly he heard of, you know, mutated people before because he had all sorts of questions for him. Yeah. So clearly it's like, uh, and, you know, they the, the uh, sort of, uh, the people of the atoll were instantly scared and instantly wanted to murder him. As, uh, yes, as but I didn't know if that was social commentary on how we behave as societies when we're under threat. I didn't know what that, whether that was trying for something. Yeah, maybe turning people into compost. Mm -hmm. well, what do they do with the goo? Is that, is that how they grow wonderful tomato plants? Just by slowly dissolving people <laughs> I also in thought, the goo. God, that atoll must stink. Oh, my word, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there didn't seem to be too many cans of deodorant around anyway. No, but like a whole, you've got like a whole pool of goo fermenting people in it. That's going to smell bad. What does the atoll mean? I, I thought it was pronounced eight ball because it was shaped like a round thing. See, I told you. Atoll's like a small series of islands, right? Yeah. Okay, well, God, I'm doing so well this evening. <laughs> At all. I thought they were saying eight ball because it's the shape of an eight, uh, like a, a cue ball or something. No, it's an atoll. What or as Americans, an eight hole. Right. Okay. I mean, can we start again? Because I'm making myself look like an idiot. <laughs> I just, you know, after this, you're going to have like a whole world of discovery. You can go read about sea planes yeah. and atolls. And <laughs> Get on National Geographic. It's going to blow my mind, isn't it? Yeah. There's a world out there. I don't know. 2020's changed me. M Matthew, have you got any other uh, scenes or, or of note that uh, spring to mind on your big list? Um, on my big list, so my notes involved um, the bungee rope of exact size and length, <laughs> which yeah. annoyed me greatly. It's like, if that was in any way a different size, wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, You'd kill her. <laughs> just like land, <laughs> smash her in the forehead, yeah. and then bob back up again. Yeah. Completely safe. Oh, God. Yeah, there was, there was quite a lot of re reckless child endangerment where he kind yeah. of just set, set fire to her or threw her around to somewhere. <laughs> it's mm. like, okay, fine. Jane Triplehorn's um, instant nudity. Mm. Uh, she has like a kind of a, a, a very handy clothes ripcord, which she pulls. And instant nudity appears. And I was thinking to myself, because, I mean, 
the future looked, if I may say so, a bit rapey. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and I don't want to, you know, victim blame, but I mean, even as a man, I would make sure I'd be wearing something quite close fitting and hard to remove. <laughs> and, and the last thing I'd want would be, you know, uh, ripcord clothing as, uh, as uh, they, they tend to have. Um, the whole, that, that scene with, um, we try, we tried to sell, sell her uh, for a couple of pieces of paper annoyed me uh, because mm. um, he goes, oh, there's two pieces of paper in it, man. And yeah, he pulls it out. There's like six at least. So, you know, why would you, you know, why would you? The whole, the whole, that whole sequence was, is, it, it's just so 90s, the way that it's so flippant and, and, and ridiculous. And also, are we supposed to think, you know, that it, we're booing the character even more, the Mariner guy, fish, fish guy. I mean, this is where he should be redeeming himself. And he, he, he doesn't. I mean, obviously he does to some extent, uh, have to foot down firmly and say that no children, but I mean, I mean, I know, but you, that's, you know, that's not really good enough, is it? Like, no. And, and she's later like, Oh, are we going to die? Um, let's have sex. And it's just, yes. what, one of my notes was death sex. He literally, he literally just sold you to a mental guy that just like yeah. floated up and was crazy. Um, yeah. only mere moments ago and tried and it, to sell you. Like the your paper daughter. was, um, terms and conditions as well because i tried to read it and it looked yeah. like the sort of terms and conditions too and there was, the fr- there was the front cover of dynasty magazine whatever that might be yeah that's the, the if anything i could remove that if they could edit that whole sequence all those sequences out though but it would it wouldn't change the movie's plot or progress at all it would just make it a much more but the thing is later on it turns out that he's got like a whole national geographic downstairs anyway yeah so why would he want these sort of two crappy pages because he's an asshole. <laughs> he's an asshole. It's pure and simple. I, I did not like the character one bit, and I thought he would have something a little bit more. Also, after he killed that guy, you'd mm. eat him, right? Like, would you? You'd definitely eat him. Well, when you've got massive sea monsters the size that are roaming around, apparently, that's a bit of a shocker when that happens. We're, we're <laughs> Very brief shock. <laughs> um, maybe you just don't need a man butt for dinner. You've got plenty <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't well, look tasty, does he? Well, no, he look, uh, you know, once you've washed him off a bit, and a bit <laughs> with of, what? There's no water. <laughs> a little bit of organo. He's got oh. natural. He's naturally seasoned. Uh, he would pair nicely uh, with a tomato plant, though, probably. <laughs> There's a couple of other things as well in, in, in terms of that process of the women on screen, uh, the representation of. of of all the women on screen is either next to nothing, as you say, as a, as an object for some to be traded or as a, a to be fridged, and it's a common thing for the nineties. And it, but I mean, something. Thank goodness that we're seeing a lot less of in movies nowadays, though. I guess, Jane. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mentioned Fury Road. Um, thank goodness, Fury Road is is the opposite and shows competent women. I mean, one of the things that is annoying about this uh, is that you know Helen lives on the sea and cannot fish what the hell like <laughs> why can't you fish that you have nothing else to do love but learn yeah. to fish and so that sort of inad- inadequacy and sort of patheticness of women that we see in 90s movies is, is incredibly irritating to a modern audience i'm sure but yeah we've, we've sort of we have come further not probably as far as like but um you know we're not seeing that as much anymore um unless we see a sort of throwback film that, you know, they yeah. do make the odd one now and then that's deliberately a sort of 90s throwback. But yeah, um, 
it's it's not a great look um for kev um the two kevs kevin reynolds or kevin costner to be so sort of um yeah sort of women as, as yeah as you say either old biddies that are dead and what are only good for you know slime or as a, as something to trade yeah um, and we, all of them sort of no skills when does the goodwill run out with this kind of thing does it ever or do you just think oh, is it just something we just have to put up with if we're going to enjoy these movies i think you kind of have to don't you or you're going to get yeah. into the realms of you know like spielberg editing out his guns from et and and fiddling and retro um, messing with stuff. I, I think it has to be viewed as what it is, which is a sort of historical document of a time and a period. And it, it shows us, you know, where we were as a society as well as anything else. And, you know, you can be entertained by it as long as you're aware that it's not okay to, you know, be racist or be, you know, homophobic or, you know, sexist, misogynist, all of those things. Um, you know, I think if you can watch it and appreciate that that's what's happening and be aware yeah. of it, it's totally fine. So in terms of uh, old Kevin Costner's career after this, what was his his next movie would have been, I'm trying to think. Was it The IMDb Postman? Post? Yeah, he went, he went apocalyptic again with The Postman. <laughs> right. Which you would think you were, you were bitten once, Kev. Maybe don't go down that. <laughs> and also, like, route, it's almost but, like um, he's gone, right, so that didn't do, go too well. What's this next film? It's called The Postman. Right. Okay. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Post-apocalyptic postman. Just brilliant. Yeah. Maybe he just thought we'll we'll just do it better this time. Um, but sadly, he didn't. Um, but you know, Kevin, I think he's had a really you know interesting career since then. He has actually played, you know, various sort of supporting characters and directed a couple of interesting films. And he's still working. And I still think he's a you know incredibly charismatic screen presence. And you know, I I still enjoy watching him. So. But I am a bit of a Kevin fan, I admit. You're a Kev fanatic. I am a bit, yeah. <laughs> I could always take him or leave him. I liked him in The Bodyguard, but even though I just think he's a bit smug. Fantastic presence in well, one of the only good things about Zack Snyder's Superman. Uh, yeah, he's great in that. He brings really, that. Yeah, and he's really nice. He could be nice, is for want of a better word. He's got a great presence. He's a very, he comes very wise, he's gentle, and, and I love that, that part of him. And I think you see that in some of his other older movies, but you have to kind of really dig deep for that, I think, for him. He's, he's, quite, um, he's quite a difficult guy to like, in my opinion, but that's my opinion. Anyway. And Kevin Reynolds came out afterwards and said that Kevin Costner should only work, <coughs> should only be in films that he directs himself, because then he could work with his favourite actor and his favourite director. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think their friendship came out of this very well. <laughs> So, mm. what are we going to do with this movie, Matthew? I think it's going to be out. I mean, I, I remember when I first watched this, and um, you know, I watched it after hearing all the negative things, and I, I remember at the time very specifically that everyone smashing on about how much it cost, and I, I think you know the, the the massive overrun of budget and everything. Kind of um, when you produce the world's most expensive film, people expect an awful lot of that. Um, and because of that, they kind of probably went watching this and expected a little bit too much. Um, it's a spectacle. It's, it's, it's got a lot of stuff going for it. I mean, it is a bit aged, but then so is everything around that time. But yeah, no, I would so definitely release this out of the bunker. Um, just mm, just to escape the uh, fetid smell of rotten flesh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But for me, I agree. It's half in, half out for me. It's kind of loitering around on the, on the, just on the surface. 
based on just some of the the, the hideousness of it, <laughs> which is quite hard to swallow. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, yeah, it, it is great for an MTV 90s Duran Duran video uh, thing. I think it was great. And obviously, Jane, as you are a guest, it yeah. does get the golden ticket anyway. Oh, so does it? it? Brilliant. It, I'm glad. I uh, explain the concept of the bunker. It's a very silly thing, really. Basically, all the movies that are bad are in the bunker and we decide whether they are released or not. It's kind of mm. the opposite of what it should be. Now, we never thought it through properly, but never mind. Um, so, yeah, your your movie, this The Water World, is out into the general public domain. In, Brilliant. Um, for everyone. And, um, yeah, that's it. I think that's all we can say about Waterworld. Complete. I mean, it has... It, it needs its own podcast series because there's an awful lot of trivia on it in terms of... Or you could really dig deep in terms of the problems but this but we, we we won't do that we'll just talk about the tomato plants and the lime plants if that's okay mm. uh, the good the surface stuff yeah i mean they didn't spend any of that budget on those plants did they <laughs> those were the least convincing things in the film oh, who knows? Well, at, at the very end that. when after they found dry land um and he decides it's not for him and he wants to go back to the sea he takes what look like rubber plants back to sea with him which although will make his boat look rather fe- you know lovely you know, yeah. in, in can't eat them though, can you? You can't eat them. <laughs> There's not a lot of fruit on rubber plant. Um, yeah. Jane, thank you so much for coming on and defending the honour of Waterworld. I think you've done it incredibly well. Thank you very much. Uh, where could we find you on on sort of online, and, and what, what can we look out for next in terms of total film? Well, our current issue is on sale right now with a '80s classic uh, film on it. Um, we are celebrating Bill and Ted Face the Music um, on mm. our issue at the moment. So, if you want to know all about whether they're actually going to manage to make their third film as good as or bad, depending on your opinion, the first <laughs> two, um, you can you can look for that. And uh, we also have a regular podcast of our own every Thursday, which you can find. It's called Inside Total Film. Excellent. And you're, can we find you on Twitter? Is your Twitter handle? Yep, I am Total Film underscore Jane. Excellent. Thanks ever, ever so much, Jane, for coming no on worries. today. Um, if you're interested in uh, following us on the socials as well, make sure you search for the Movie Bunker podcast, Twitter, Instagram, and all that jazz. Uh, if you haven't already left us a lovely review and a rating, make sure you do that as well. That helps us greatly. And the website address, Matthew? Uh, www.moviebunkerpodcast.com. Yeah. And there's Patreon and you can buy us a coffee if you wish to. It helps us pay the, the rent on the server. But yeah. there's, there's clearly no uh, need to do that. But uh, we always have to say it. <laughs> um, thanks again, Jane. No worries. Thank thanks, you much. Matt. Bye-bye. Take care.